I'm just uh, so uh, touched by our worship today and just so excited to share uh, with you today's word. But at the same time, I feel a heaviness um, because of the topic. You know, uh, our church's desire is to reach, embrace, and disciple. Um, but one thing that I've seen in our church is that he's also called us to reach and embrace um, not just those who've never heard the gospel, but also those who have been in the church, knew Christ, have been hurt by the church, and have left the church. I've seen that ministry take place at Mosaic, and I've seen brothers and sisters come through who have received this healing uh, from a deep wound that uh, today we'll call church hurt. Church hurt. And I feel this burden because I know that there are members of our congregation here today for whom this is a very sensitive, difficult topic, church hurt. But today, um, as we look at Jeremiah, uh, the Lord speaks directly to this. And if you have been hurt by the church, today, brothers and sisters, he has his eyes on you, and he has a special word for you. And he has a word of healing and hope for those who have been wounded by places like this and by people like me. And if that is you, um, he has a word for you. And so if you have your Bibles, please open up to this word. This is Jeremiah 23. And I want to read to you um, verses 1 to 8, where he addresses the leaders of Israel with a word of indictment <clears throat> and a message of hope for those who have experienced church hurt. This is Jeremiah 23, and I'll start reading from verse 1. This is what the Lord God says through his prophet and messenger, Jeremiah. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. And Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But as the Lord who lives, who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them and they shall dwell in their own land. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, would you pray, for, pray with me? Let's pray together. Father, um, you have such strong words for such an important topic, and so we invite the Holy Spirit to help us as we look into your word. <clears throat> and I especially want to pray for brothers and sisters in our congregation who have deep church hurt and deep wounds. And today, I mean... Just walking into this place maybe is hard, 
I pray for them. I pray for their healing. I pray for your ministry of redemption and restoration to start right now as we look into your word. Be our good shepherd today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Yeah, we're talking today about church hurt. You might know what this is, you might not, but today you'll be introduced to it and we'll look at what God has to say uh, through Jeremiah uh, for our healing. In our passage today, verse 1, he says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Um, If you've been with us, you know that Jeremiah, in this book, God has been bringing uh, words of indictment to his people and calling them to repentance uh, for the sins that they've committed. But today, he points his indictment straight at the leaders of his people. He calls them shepherds. And this is a picture that you'll see again and again in Scripture, the picture of a shepherd. And this is a picture that he uses to describe the leaders of Israel, probably because it's a really accessible picture and motif. There were a lot of shepherds in Israel. Um, Israel was a land where its terrain and topography lended itself to take care of sheep. Um, and, you know, a little bit harder for some other animals. But for sheep, Israel is actually really nice. Because, uh, for one, uh, sheep don't require a lot of water, and Israel doesn't have a lot of water. And so it's actually a match made in heaven. But the thing about sheep is that even though they're fairly low maintenance, they really, really desperately need a shepherd. Because even though they're low maintenance, if you don't have a shepherd, um, they will die. Uh, sheep are actually one of the least autonomous animals that you could take care of. In fact, if you have a group of a flock of sheep and they're grazing a grassy area and then they eat all the grass, you know, goats and maybe other animals would move on to a different place that has more grass, but sheep will actually just stay there and starve if you don't lead them. And so they desperately need somebody uh, to shepherd them, even though they're not that high maintenance. Um, they need someone. And, and the work is not that difficult. You can even have like a teenager, a child do this. Um, that's why when you look at David, he was a shepherd, even though he was very young. Um, it wasn't a difficult, complex work, but it was an, a work that was absolutely necessary. And the work that the shepherd did was a shepherd fed the sheep, guided the sheep, and protected the sheep. The shepherd needed to do those three things. Make sure they're fed, make sure they're guided and led, and make sure that they are protected from wolves and other people who wanted to steal them. And so God uses the picture of a shepherd to describe what Israel's leaders are supposed to do for their people. Israel's leaders are supposed to spiritually feed the flock. They're supposed to spiritually guide them to God, and they're supposed to protect them from false teaching, and any spiritual danger that could come to God's people. That was the call to shepherds, but what you see in Jeremiah is that Israel's leaders did the exact opposite of what they were supposed to do for God's people. Instead of feeding the flock, they abused their flock, and they ate them up. Instead of guiding the flock, they led them astray, and instead of protecting them, the shepherds actually hurt their own sheep. The leaders of Israel actually hurt and harmed the very people that they were called to take care of. And in verse 2, when you look at this, this is the indictment that God brings in these evil shepherds who are in Israel. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away and you have not attended to them. You didn't do any of the things 
that you were called to do. In fact, you did the very opposite. You hurt the sheep I asked you to care for. And he says, behold, because you didn't attend to my sheep, I am going to attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Bad shepherds, evil shepherds exist in the Bible. This is not a result of the woke movement in the church or the Me Too movement that has taken place. But bad shepherds, evil shepherds, this goes back thousands and thousands of years. And so if you ask, the motif of a shepherd is all throughout the Bible, but really what distinguishes a good shepherd from a bad shepherd? And it's very simple. It comes down to this. Good shepherds take care of their sheep at their own expense. And bad shepherds, they take care of themselves at the expense of the flock. Good shepherds in Scripture, they expend themselves to love their sheep. And bad shepherds, they expend and take from their sheep for their own gain. And if you're a leader in our church, this should be a warning to all of us. If you have any level of leadership influence in our church, this is a warning to all of us that if we are not near to the Lord, any one of us who are good shepherds can become bad shepherds in an instant. If we are not near to this call, if we don't know the heart of God, any one of us, brothers and sisters, none of us is immune to this. If we're not near to the Lord, then we can all become evil shepherds. And when we become evil shepherds, we hurt our sheep. We hurt and scar the very people that God has called us to love and protect. And when we scar church members, the scars are deep. You know, I've talked to a fair amount of people um, in our church and even outside of our church who have experienced church hurt. And it's very similar to parent hurt uh, because I think the dynamics are similar because you have someone who has been given authority over you and power over you so that they could take care of you, but instead they've used that power and authority to hurt you instead of love you. And so church hurt, church leader hurt, is actually really, really similar to parent hurts. But before we go any further, I I do want to step back and clarify what we're talking about, because this could get confusing. What is church hurt, and what am I talking about here? Let me just start by saying this. Church hurt is not the same thing as getting your feelings hurt at church. Does that make sense? Church hurt, what I'm talking about today, is not the same thing as getting your feelings hurt at church. Many of us, if not all of us, have had our feelings hurt at church. It's not the same thing. Even though it might feel similar, we need to distinguish this. You know, sometimes we do get our feelings hurt at church, and it's not sin against us. For example, you really wanted something for the church, and the decision that the church made was not your decision. And so you're hurt, and you're angry, you're upset. That's not church hurt. Church hurt is not when a leader lovingly, humbly addresses you about the sin that you are living in. That's not church hurt. That might hurt your feelings, but that's not church hurt. Church hurt is not when your brother or sister sins against you and they repent and you refuse to forgive them. Even though you are upset, you have hurt feelings, that's not church hurt. Church hurt is not having a weak and imperfect pastor like me who's trying but fails and falls short. 
It's not when you are disciplined um, by the church as you have vowed to go under the discipline of the church. These are not examples of church hurt. These are the normal activities of a church full of sinners. This is the normal of uh, a broken uh, church. That's not church hurt. And we have to be careful about that, brothers and sisters, because if we are not careful, we will take hurt feelings, call it church hurt, and slander the church. If we're not clear about that. Church hurt is not hurt feelings. In fact, when you read 2 Corinthians 7, Paul writes to the Corinthians because he had to say some hard things to the Corinthians because they were very, very wayward. And he writes to them in 2 Corinthians and he says to them, I know I hurt your feelings. He says, I know I grieved you. But he says, I know I grieved you, but I don't regret it. Because you needed to hear that. And that grief was actually a godly grief that led you to repentance. And he says, I don't regret doing that. I know it hurt you when I did it, but it was for your good. There is a kind of discipline that is not abuse. There is a kind of hurt that is not church hurt. You see, these things lead us toward God's will, and it leads us to understand God more and to understand his word more. That is not church hurt. I just really want to be clear about that so we know what we're all talking about. So what is church hurt? Church hurt leads you away from God's will. Church hurt confuses God's word. In fact, church hurt is when church leaders use God's will to manipulate you and not to help you. It's when God's leaders in the church use God's word to silence you and to confuse you away from God's word, to belittle you, to shame you. And it doesn't lead you towards God but it takes you away from God. In fact, it makes it more confusing. It takes God's character. It makes it more confusing to understand because of church hurt. It's when a, a, a church leader commits sexual sin in the church, maybe even sometimes against church members. They're not held accountable. It's not addressed, and they are unrepentant, and maybe even the whole church protects them at the expense of the victims. That's church hurt. It's when somebody in the church steals money, money that you thought you gave to the work of the kingdom. And it was taken at the expense of the church for that shepherd. That's church hurt. Many of us, um, it's sad, but many of us know this firsthand. And many of you sit here with church hurt buried deep inside of you. And you have those scars and you still carry it today. You know, the first thing that the Lord wants to say to you as you hold these scars in your heart is, I hear you. I see you. I am not angry at you for being hurt. And I know that that's a weird thing to even say, but when you are hurt by the church, sometimes you feel like you can't even talk about it. You feel like you can't even bring it up because it feels like you're going against God, right? Because you're going against God's leaders. And so it feels like you can't even bring it up or you are in the wrong for being hurt by God's leaders. It's very confusing. And so here, without any confusion, God says very clearly, I am against evil shepherds. I stand against them. I do not victim blame. I am speaking out against evil shepherds and I see you 
and my justice burns against evil shepherds, full stop. In fact, he uses the word woe here in verse 1. And that word woe, sometimes we use it like woe, like pity. This is not that. He's saying woe as in warning to you, evil shepherds, who do these things against my people. This is a deep warning against you because I stand against you. And if you are using God's people at their expense to feed yourself and you're harming them, there is judgment, danger, wrath coming to you because I will not stand for it. And I know that a lot of you needed to hear that from a pastor. I know a lot of you needed a pastor to stand up and say something like that because it's been very, very confusing. God does not pull punches. For evil shepherds, he is fully against them and his wrath burns against them. Some of you have seen this play out in some pastors, church leaders, churches. And if you're here sitting with scars, um, there are a few things that we need to do to receive God's word today. Um, The first thing that you do need to do is you do need to start to talk about this. And I know that that is not so easy for everybody to do because you don't know who to tell. You don't know who to talk to about this. First and foremost, you do need to talk to those who have hurt you. You do need to talk to those who have hurt you. But I know that many of us don't have a safe circle to to work this out in. And so I want to implore you that you need to find people who are safe and godly. Hear me again, safe and godly to share this with and process this with. And I know that some people have not brought it up because you don't want to gossip against the church. A noble intent. But you cannot keep it buried forever. It will eat you alive. You need to find people who are safe and godly to talk about what happened to you. Because the more you keep it buried, the more it's going to bury you. The more you keep it in the dark, it's going to make you dark. You know, one of the ironies and also the principle that we should know, one of the principles we should know in life is that hurt people, they hurt people. When you're hurt and you're scarred, you hurt people. Now that people could be the church, the next church you go to, Or that could be yourself. But hurt people, they hurt people. And sometimes hurt people, we use our pain as an excuse to hate and become judgmental and bitter and angry. In fact, I've seen people lash out in scenarios where you kind of step back and say like, whoa, where did that come from? Because this issue that we're talking about, it doesn't, it shouldn't elicit that response. But it's not that they're crazy, rude people. It's that they're hurt people. They're scarred people. And they're reacting out of their trauma. And so at church, when they get into these um, meetings and when they get into these discussions, it's bringing up all of these different things that they went through. And they're responding in a way where everyone's going, whoa. But hurt people, they hurt people. And if that's you today, you need to know that God sees you and God hears you and he loves you. 
and he is not against you. He sees your pain. But today, brothers and sisters, he also wants to ask you, as Jesus asked the man who was laying at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to get well? And I know that this seems like an obvious question. Of course that guy wants to get well. He's laying, he's laying there waiting to be healed. But Jesus asked that question. It's a real question. You've been lying here a long time. You've been lying under this for a real long time. I really want to ask you for real. Do you want to be well? Or do you want to live in your bitterness? Because it makes you feel righteous. Sometimes. Do you want to get well from your church hurt? My brothers and sisters, if we do, then we do need to bring it into the light. If you have been hurt by our church, please come speak to me. If you have been hurt by me, please come speak to me. If you feel like you can't, I want to give you one resource, an outlet for you to talk um, to someone about this. We set up a counseling ministry called Lighthouse Counseling. And one of the reasons we set this up as a ministry that is separate from the church is because we know that sometimes the first step you take in church hurt can't be in the church. It should be, but not a lot of us can take that first step. And so if that's you, I want to give you the access to Lighthouse Counseling. And you can reach out to them and say you're a member of Mosaic and you will get a deep discount because that's the way we set it up. But talk to them. If you don't have somebody who's safe and godly to talk about your church hurt, reach out to Lighthouse. They'll have somebody for you. But you need to bring it into the light because what Satan wants of your church hurt is to weaponize it. He wants to forge your church hurt as a weapon against the church because he knows hurt people can hurt people. He wants to forge it into judgmentalism against every church. He wants to form it into bitterness against every Christian. He wants to form it into an anger against every pastor. Don't let him do that. Bring it into the light. Do you want to be well? We need to bring it into the light. We need to start talking about it. But secondly, not only do we need to start talking about it and bring it into the light in a safe way, but we also need to, as we do that, recognize the good shepherd who really brings us the healing through it. Read verse 3 to 4 with me. This is what God says. After he indicts the evil shepherds, he says, Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. God comes and he says, I am the solution. I am the one who brings healing. As you bring this into the light, the only way you're actually going to be healed of this is that you need to start to rediscover the good shepherd who is trustworthy, safe, and for you, not against you. Which is why in here, he lists things that are completely opposite of what the evil shepherds do. He says, the evil shepherds, you have scattered them. I'm going to gather them. You drove them away from the church. I'm going to bring them back. I am the good shepherd. And brothers and sisters, he is introducing himself to you as the source of healing from your church hurt. And when you start to discover Christ, your shepherd, you will see that he gives you a new song of healing 
for your life. Read verse 7 and 8 with me. This is what he says. He says, therefore, behold, that means look at this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country, out of all the countries where he had driven them. I know that it's it's confusing, but this is what he's saying. He's saying, you need a new song. You need a new song. My people, they're always singing about Egypt. They're always singing about their salvation. They're always singing about me splitting the Red Sea and good. That's the song of their salvation. They're always singing about Egypt. But he's saying Egypt is not enough. That one song is not enough. You still celebrate coming to Christ and that's all you have. But something else has happened to you. You are going into exile. And the exile is a deep scar and pain in your heart. Are you already saved? Yes, Egypt. But after you became a Christian, something happened to you that hurt you and scarred you, and you've never recovered. You need a new song, brothers and sisters. He says, no longer will they sing about Egypt all the time. They will sing about me bringing them back from exile. They will no longer just sing a song of salvation. They're going to sing a song of healing. And you need this new song if you're going to actually heal from church hurt. You need a new resource, and that's what he's doing in your lives now. He's saying, I'm not just the God of your salvation. I'm the God of your healing. And that is what the Good Shepherd is offering to you today. And when you look at this passage, the way he offers it is very simple but powerful. He offers it by saying, I will keep my word. I will keep my promises. Now, if you have never really been hurt by a church leader, or if you've never experienced church hurt, it doesn't seem that powerful. But if you have been hurt in the church, particularly by a church leader, you know how immensely powerful that promise is. I will keep my word. One of the hardest things about church hurt is that your trust in the church, your trust in church leaders and pastors and elders, it's been smashed. And you cannot trust them anymore. And that leaves you so debilitated. So you know what it means when God says, I'm going to keep my word. And it's deeply connected to you rebuilding your trust in God again. He upholds his word When you say, the church is full of empty promises, he says, I will uphold my promise. They lied to me in the church. He says, I tell the truth. All Christians are liars. He says, I am a God of my word. Read verse 5 with me. This is his promise. He says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. He's saying, I am going to give you a righteous branch for David. Now, this is after the time of David. So what's he talking about? He's talking about someone who's going to come in the line of David, who is going to be greater than David himself, the righteous branch, the Messiah himself, who is going to restore your faith in God who's going to restore your faith that God is trustworthy. And in turn, the church is trustworthy as well. 
He's keeping his promises. And he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to prove this to all of us. Read verse 5 again. At the end, he says he will execute justice and righteousness in the land. He's going to come and uphold all the promises I just gave you in Jeremiah 23, that there's going to be justice, woe to evil shepherds. And when Jesus shows up on the scene, he leans into the religious leaders, leans into them hard, and says, you Pharisees and scribes, you have placed on top of my people a legalistic burden and a yoke that they cannot carry, that you can't even carry. And you crush my people. With all these requirements and this legalism and all of these laws, you placed on them a yoke that you nor your fathers could carry. He says, woe to you, Pharisees and scribes. You are whitewashed tombs. And there's a judgment that Jesus proclaims upon them. He comes to execute justice against the evil shepherds. And if you have been hurt by the church, you need to hear that that he's not going to leave you hanging, that vengeance is not yours, but it's his. And he's going to bring it. But the other side of bringing justice is this. Executing justice is not just going against evil shepherds, but it's also showing compassion on those who have been hurt and damaged. Jesus comes and it says in Matthew 9.36 that when he saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, that word compassion means that his stomach churned or his bowels churned. You see, the Hebrews thought that emotions were here and then we think from here and then where we felt here. I think it kind of makes sense because, like, I don't know about you, but when I get really upset, you kind of feel it down here in your bowels, right? And it says that Jesus, when he looked at the church, he looked at his people, his bowels churned. His bowels churned because he had so much compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. All these evil shepherds have been hurting them. And he goes to them and he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle. I'm not like them. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you could trust me, and you will find rest for your souls. My brothers and sisters, you need to, if you have been stung with church hurt, need to discover Jesus again. Not just the Jesus who died so I could go to heaven, Egypt song, but the Jesus who heals me of my church hurt, my pain, all the things that I've been through, the one who says, come to me, and I will bandage you up the healer, you need to discover him. And as you do, you're going to see that he keeps his word. You're going to see he's trustworthy. He keeps his word to such a degree that he's willing to die for his word. All the promises that have been stored up in the Old Testament in Jeremiah, he's going to die to make sure they're upheld. On his way to the cross, he's going to be harassed. He's going to suffer. He's going to be abused. He's going to be accused. He's going to be slandered. He's going to be silenced. He's going to be shamed. Maybe some of you know about that. He's going to have the worst church hurt that could ever, ever touch someone. The entire religious system would turn against him. The few faithful would abandon him. 
He would be misjudged. And they're going to put him on a cross so that he could keep his word that I am the good shepherd. And in John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. To be your good shepherd, he's going to go to the end. He's going to take it all the way to the cross to keep his promise to you that he is going to take care of you. And you see, when you start to realize that Jesus is that trustworthy healer of your soul, you'll start to be restored. You'll start your process of healing when you meet the good shepherd and you can trust him again. I really pray that today, that those of you who know church hurt would find your Jesus again because he gives you a new song, not just of salvation, but of healing for your soul. One more thing before I close. When you go to him, fair warning, when you go to him and you start to get patched up, because he's the good shepherd, he's not just going to give his life for you and heal you, but he's going to lead you. And where the good shepherd always leads you as you heal is back to the church. He always leads you back to the church. And now that's going to be the hardest part for some of you because that's the last thing that you want. Some of you are going to say, yes, no, I want the shepherd and I want this healing, but don't give me the church because that's where I got hurt. I'm not doing that again. Maybe I'll go to church and just stay far away. But Jesus, the good shepherd, is not willing to go halfway on your healing. He knows you need the full thing. You're like the bleeding woman, in a sense. If you remember the story of the bleeding woman, she had a deep scar and infirmity that she needed help Jesus from Jesus about. But here's the thing. She wanted to do it in secret. You know why? Because the community had shamed her. The community had hurt her. The community had isolated her. And because of that, she wanted to go to Jesus and Jesus only. No Christians, no people of God, just Jesus. And so she snuck in through the crowd, touching people she's not supposed to touch. And she said, I am going to go and touch just the tip of his robe. And if I could just touch the tip of his robe, then I will be healed. And it happened. She touched the tip of his robe in secret and she was healed. The thing that she had hoped for, she got. But then the thing that she was most afraid of happened too. Because he turns around and it says, who touched me? And now the whole crowd stops and everybody's looking at Jesus and say, what do you mean who touched you? And Jesus says, somebody touched me. And now her worst fears are coming to life because now everybody's looking at her and she thinks that she's going to die. The very thing that she was afraid of, the community was looking at her. And as she thinks that it's the end, Jesus kneels down and says to her, my daughter, your faith has healed you. He reserves this word daughter for this woman. Think about how many women Jesus did ministry to. But you look through the whole New Testament. He doesn't call any of them this word. He protects this word, saves it for her. It's the word thugater. It means my little girl, my daughter. And he saves that word 
for her. Why? Why her? Because this woman had lost her place in the community. And that was her real pain. That was her real scar. But he says, my little girl, my daughter. Don't you see what that means? That means you have a place in the community always. You always have an identity in this place, in this family. You are my daughter. Did you forget that this is who you are in community? And he's restoring her place back at the table. And it says, daughter, your faith has healed you. And he restores her place in the community that she was so afraid of because that was actually the healing that she needed. And he says to her, go in peace, go in shalom, holistic, full healing. Go in shalom and be healed of your disease. Do you see that? She needed both in order for her to be fully healed. Look, if you have church hurt, you're only going to find healing in the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. But if you go to him, he will lead you back to the church because he's not willing to settle for a halfway healing. He wants to go all the way and bring you back into the community with shalom and peace. And as he does that, he will restore your soul. He's the good shepherd. If you have church hurt, brothers and sisters, today you have a lot to talk to the Lord about. So I want to ask you to bow your heads and let's um, go to him because you have to do some work with him and you have to do some confession and you have to hear from him, especially if you have been scarred by evil shepherds. He says, I'm not angry with you. I hear you and I've seen what you've gone through. And I'm on a mission to restore you, to give you a new song. But you have to come to me. And you have to see again that I am the good shepherd. You have to rebuild your trust in me. And guess what? I'm willing to go to the ends of the earth to prove my trustworthiness to you. I'll even go to the cross and give my life to feed you and to care for you. Let's go to him in prayer and find that healing that he has died for that he's bled for so that you can have.